This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win! Welcome to Dunstan Discourse, episode 36, or the Paul Silas and Rashid Wallace edition. Obviously, I'm Jabari Davis, and with Josh out celebrating his birthday this week, I've got some fun stuff cooked up for you. So hopefully he's enjoying himself, because we will definitely do the same. Today, we'll be taking a trip around the bubble, hitting on all the major teams and topics, including the NBA Awards finalists. And I've got four really dope guests, in a, and we're going to do basically a bit of a rapid-fire, kind of all-gas, no-break style conversation. So, We'll be catching up with Grizzlies beat writer Sharon Brown. Uh, we'll also be catching up with NBA analyst and podcast host Jamison Welsh to get into some of the Eastern Conference contenders. Uh, we'll also um, reach out to Blazers postgame co-host and podcaster Danny Morang uh, to get to basically get into whether his squad can sneak in. And we'll close things out by catching up with a friend of the show and fellow Blue Wire family, Ty Windish, uh, to get into his Bucks and Giannis and amongst some other things. So. But before we get started, as we always like to ask, if you're not already subscribed to the show, do us a favor of liking, rating, and subscribing, and even leaving a review if you feel so, you know, if you feel so, uh, so inspired. Uh, not only would Josh appreciate, you know, appreciate it for his birthday, I'd appreciate it. And, uh, and obviously keep that feedback coming via Twitter. That's at Jabari Davis NBA for myself, at Josh Eberly for Josh, of course, and at Dunks Discourse for the show. All right, we'll start off. We're joined by Jamison Welsh. He's the host of the Postcast podcast for the upcoming basketballnews.com. It's set to go live with all types of really dope content involving players, coaches, and some league personnel uh, from right there in the bubble. So definitely appreciate you joining us today, Jamison. Oh, not a problem. Thanks for having me as always. Uh, it's just we're about a week away. We launch on the 17th of August, the day the playoffs start. So it's just uh, a fast grind until the, uh, the actual site launches. Okay, and, and I'm going to circle back to that, and I, I know that there's certain things that you can't really share, but I'll circle back to that here in a bit, but let's go ahead and jump into the Celtics, because credit to Josh for maintaining, you know, like, you know that they were a live bet uh, you know, pretty much throughout this thing. I've, I, to be honest with you, I've been looking at, you know, and, and obviously I'm speaking about in terms other than the Bucks. Uh, I've been looking at teams like Miami and teams like uh, you know uh, like the Raptors, who nobody really saw coming. You know, I, I know there's going to be a lot of people that after the fact will say like, "Oh yeah, I always believe." No, nobody saw this coming. So I've been on them. But give me your thoughts on the Celtics being a threat in the Eastern Conference. They're definitely a threat because they have two major wings that can go. Whenever you got two wings that can go, you got a shot because they can both score. They can both defend. They can both play make at certain degrees of, you know, of excellence. Sometimes it's a little choppy at times for Jalen Brown, but he can still create for himself and for others at times. 
Uh, so with that being said, you got a shot. My biggest thing with Boston is how healthy is Kimba Walker and what is their upfront depth like? Because after uh, you know Daniel Tice, it gets kind of gets kind of dicey up front. Uh, but I do like how they play. They play hard. They play smart, and they're able to shoot the ball at a high level at times. So they definitely have a shot out east. You mean you're not a believer in playoff Cantor? Well, so here's the thing. Uh, depends on who he's going against. If mm-hmm. he's going against Embiid and you know guys like Demarcus Ole. Probably not, but like last year he went up against the injured Steven Adams and he looked really good. And then last, you know, last season or last offseason went against Jokic and it was okay. And then that was into that. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Okay, like as I admitted or as I acknowledge, the, the team that I've been most interested in is the Raptors because look, they've just made me a believer over the last eighteen months. Uh, and and this is coming from somebody that has had never been prior to <laughs> prior to their success. Uh, the question on them will still be whether you know Siakam or Ananubi uh, can consistently produce offensively throughout the, the course of a series in, in in a particular matchup with a team like Miami or Milwaukee. But kind of paint a picture to me on what it would take for you know for Toronto to kind of shock the world and and not to, not necessarily repeat as 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 champ overall champions, but really put a scare uh, in the Bucks or any other team out in the Eastern Conference. As of right now, Jabari, I don't think it's shocking the world. I mean, they, they think they're that good. I just think they're that good. Like that's the main thing. They are that good. They they play very hard. They play harder than their opponent most nights. Especially if they're not like in a three game and four night setting. They play extremely hard. They play efficient. They have a proven veteran in Kyle Lowry who runs the show. Uh, he's also a really good shooter as well. Everyone knows their role. Like it's gonna take a. I mean, they're not going to get swept. They're a team where you got to literally beat them four times out of seven to take them out. Now there's teams that are better than them. I think Milwaukee overall is better. Uh, I think Boston is, you know, talent wise is right there, but uh, I would favor Toronto or everyone except Milwaukee out East. I think they're that good. And the confidence level of their two young guys in Siakam and Ananobi, those guys are, those guys are playing at a high, high level right now. So for me, I'm looking at their roster and their situation saying they can play with anyone. They can be anyone. It would not, it would not surprise me if they were to win the whole thing. It really wouldn't. Man, it, it it's it actually feels crazy to hear that and to say that, but actually it feels even crazier to to truly believe it. Uh, I'm not gonna you know, I'm not gonna go overboard and, and say that that's the pick because it's not. Uh, there there's still several other teams uh, that you know that I would you know, go in thinking that you know would have a better shot. But you're right, it, it is no longer shocking. But you know what? I'm gonna bring up a team that no one is talking about, and and uh, you know what? I'm not embarrassed to admit they were my team going into the season that I thought was coming out of the East. It's the Philadelphia 76ers. And I don't want to pile on Philly because, you know, I actually hate it. Uh, you know, I, I hate that we're never, or at least we haven't really ever gotten a fully healthy Embiid and Simmons down the stretch of, of a season. But once again, we're hearing rumors of potential of a potential shakeup this offseason. And, you know, once they're eliminated and, you know, the thought has been that the organization would have to choose between those two, one of those two young stars. But isn't it possible, and I'm coming to you with this, isn't it possible that they decide to start with the head coach position if they suffer an early exit? And if so, wouldn't you then want to give the new, you know, potential replacement, uh, you know, to give him an idea, you know, or at least have an idea of what his style is going to be before you make a move of that magnitude with that roster? Tear it all down, Jabari. It all needs all to be torn down. Uh, GM too. The GM's tough, but here's the thing: he gave Al Horford that kind of contract, knowing his age up front. Uh, that did. to me is a rough situation. He did really try to keep Jimmy Butler. 
Like he, if he would have went out and said, Hey, Jimmy's our priority this off season. I think that would have helped, even though Jimmy's body's kind of shaky and his age is up there as well. It's just something about Jimmy that he helps teams win. Like the stats may not be the greatest. The analytics may not be the greatest, but he just helps teams win wherever he goes. That team ends up being better. And you can't doubt that it is proven by facts. Like wherever he goes, that team improves. With that being said, my biggest issue in Philly is that they still don't know how they want to play. Like they still don't have a, a true identity. We don't know what they are. Are they a slow down team that goes to Embiid? Are they a scramble team that goes to Simmons? We really don't know what they are. Now, defensively, they have two of the best defensive players in the league when healthy. But the problem is those guys are rarely ever healthy um, for a, a strong period of time. So if I'm if I'm the ownership, I get rid of Brett Brown and I'm looking at moving Embiid or Simmons uh, just based off of the fact that we kind of know this ain't going to work. Like, it's just the the mix isn't great. And that's, um, you know, that's the biggest issue is that those guys don't complement each other as well as you would think they would on paper. I'm going to hold your feet to the flames a little bit because while that is an excellent answer and an answer that I probably would have given as well, where do you start? Like, yes, okay, you, you know, you've replaced oh, Brent, Brett. Brent Brown gone. Brent Brown gone right. in the bubble. The, before I'm, everybody <laughs> goes back on the bus to the airline, yeah, he gone like, in the bubble. He got to go. Like, he got he to go. His uh his his entry his entry pass isn't gonna work you know by the time they make it yeah, back yeah like he could take his COVID test at home because the reason why I say that is this all right there's some coaches where like everyone has their different opinions on coaching in the NBA there's yeah. times where coaches make a team better there's times where coaches make a team you know they don't really mess things up things remain status quo mm-hmm. I don't think the Sixers are better because Brett Brown's there I don't think so. Now, I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that him being their coach, they have some sort of advantage or that's a plus in any area. And that's not good when you're a team like that that's so close to playing in June or, in this case, in October, because those little things matter in that case. In the regular season, not so much. But when it really matters, you need that extra edge. You need that extra situation that's going to push you over the top. But I don't see him providing that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And, you know, there, there will be people that, you know, they don't like to hear there, there's people that don't like to hear any criticism of their coach or Brett Brown in particular, because, you know, whether it's the, the pop lineage or, you know, he's an overall good guy or whatever the case may be. But ultimately, you're paid, you know, <clears throat> when you're a coach, especially at, at this level, you're, you know, you are hired to be fired. And if you can't get it done, regardless of what, you know, what all of the variables are, oh, you know, we haven't been able to see them, you know, both healthy or whatever the case is, if you're in a situation in the NBA at this stage for three to four seasons and you're not getting it done, especially in a situation like that where they come into the year with high expectations, you know, the, 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 those conversations are going to be held about you. So, yeah, like you, it's nothing against him, but I do agree that that's probably, uh, that's probably going to be the first change. All right, so the NBA announced the finalists for the most improved player. Uh, award and it turns out that they are Bam Adebayo, Brandon Ingram, and Luka Doncic. And while I know there's some folks out there trying to desperately sim- avoid simply giving Luka the props he deserves, I think they got it right in terms of this group. And I, you know, honestly, I think this is the group that showed the most significant improvements over the you know, over the previous year. If you had a vote, which way would you lean here? I don't think I would choose any of those guys because my version of most improved player is different. Uh, all those guys were lottery picks and were, weren't were bad to begin with. All those guys were really good the previous season. So it's not like they went from being, you know, from barely playing to becoming all-stars. That was not the case at all. All mm-hmm. these guys were very good the previous year. Ingram had got hurt in the previous season. The other two guys were very good throughout the season. And, you know, for them, for those guys to be the three guys, it's kind of odd because normally 
we think of the award as a guy that is not necessarily an all-star guy, but he took a major leap as a role player or whatever it may be. I thought Devontae Graham. Right, exactly. I thought Devontae Graham should have been a guy. Christian Wood uh, should have been a guy. Duncan Robinson would have been a guy I thought of. Because that's what the award is. Not necessarily guys that took another leap in their game. Because that's, I mean, all-star players do. When you think of it like that, like all great players do. And those guys that you mentioned in that list are all, you know, future multi-time all-stars if they stay healthy. And all guys are going to be around for a long time. So, you know, putting those guys on that list to me is kind of unfair. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably take Ingram just based off of where he was last year or this year. It's a totally different player. Luca has been doing this since he's got here. Like, yes, he's gotten better, but the t- the step he took wasn't as large as Ingram's step. Same thing with Bam. Like, Bam was really good last year. The step he's taken this year isn't as large as the step Ingram's taken. Ingram has really gone from a guy that could have been a you know his third or second option to a legit first option on a team and putting up almost twenty five a night. Like that's very impressive. Yeah, and 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 to your point, I, I agree with you in terms of that the actual spirit of the award. But you know, and I and I know I'm not telling you anything you don't you don't know. You know how this goes: the bigger names are going to be the sexier names, and the sexier names are always going to be the ones that that, that they go with. Now, maybe if Devontae Graham or one of those guys takes even another step, then people will start paying attention to him. It's kind of like remember when Paul George kind of incrementally got better and better and better, where the true true basketball diehards were taking note of it after year one, but a lot of folks didn't really, you know, didn't really, you know, you know give him the props that he would ultimately uh, deserve and, and and earn until you know the third or fourth year of that of that situation. And I honestly, it's it's a familiarity thing, and I and I don't think that NBA writers are are any less guilty of that. So I agree with you. Now, in terms of this group, I'm glad to hear you you, you give it up for you know for Luca. I knew that you would, uh, but yeah, I, the reason why I'm glad that they actually still acknowledged him is because he has been that much better, man. Like I. I get it. He yes, he's been doing some of these things since the start. But you know what? So a lot of times it's a narrative thing. And you know what? A lot of us didn't necessarily anticipate this, you know, these types of things from him. And then the same thing with the Brandon Ingram situation. We had folks, and you, you and I both know we were mm-hmm. both covering we were both covering the Lakers, you know, like when when he came in. And and I can tell you, I was the one person that, that was saying things like, no, 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 this kid can play because most of the shows that I would go on or most of the most of the people that I would interact with, and obviously you were in agreement, but most of the folks were like, No, no, this long, gangly guy, he's a bust. So to that point. I do. I, I would not be shocked if it if it ultimately went there. There's going to be people that still dislike him, you know, for the warts that he has been because he's still not a complete player, you know, at this point. But uh, look, the sky is the limit with Brandon. If he continues to if he continues to you know develop from a physical standpoint, I think all the other stuff is going to is going to you know fall into place. That, but also he's a guy that's six nine that can handle the basketball like a guy at six two, and he mm-hmm. can shoot and create. He's a three level scorer, so. To me, like that was the the thing, like being able to play make at that size. There's, you know, there's a handful of those guys in the league at that size that can do what he does, and it's the reason why those are all max contract guys. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Okay, before we get you out of here, and I know again, I know you can't, you know, speak completely freely on it, but can you share what you can about what sounds like a pretty incredible project that you, you know, that you've shared some, you know, the information on the background uh, with me? But talk to me about basketball news. What we should expect from basketballnews.com and some of the things that you've got coming up. It's athletes uh, meeting analytics, and you have a lot of ex-players, coaches, current players you know, talking about basketball, breaking down basketball, 
uh, the business of basketball, the breakdowns of playing and the uh, the breakdowns of actual game film. You'll have a lot of different numbers. So if you're a numbers guy, you'll be you know pleased by it as well. There'll be, there'll be a lot of different content from uh, myself and others. Uh, you will not be a you will you will have a lot to choose from. There'll be content with current uh, players, current people in the Hall of Fame, uh, current nice. coaches, um, former number one picks. There's just gonna be a lot of good stuff. Uh, I don't again. I can't give away too much because there's certain legal things I can't disclose. But no. who uh, I will say it's gonna be for a basketball fan, for a basketball junkie. It will be a very welcoming site, and I hope everyone enjoys. Without a doubt, absolutely. And you know, this is not just a matter of me gassing up, you know, a guy that I've been, you know, connected with for a long time. There are some there's some really exciting stuff. These are some exciting times. You know, it's great to have the NBA back, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing and hearing all of that great contact that you and the folks have in store for us. So thanks again for joining us, Jameson. Anytime, man. Anything you need, let me know. Without a doubt. Now, uh, did you give your Twitter? Did, did you let the folks know where they can find you? Yes, I'm at the Jameson on Twitter. Uh, T-H-E-E-J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N. I'm on there. I'm currently watch, watching basketball right now. There's two games going on right now. <laughs> watching them. And if there's more than two available, I'll have them all on at once watching them. So I love NBA basketball. And I can't wait for the playoffs to start. No, without a doubt. And like I said, make sure you follow him. Make sure you support all of his, all of his quality content. All right, so we're going to actually uh, you know, keep this thing rolling after a couple quick messages from about NFL Sunday Ticket. But when we come back, we'll be talking to Sharon Brown, who is a Memphis Grizzlies com- columnist. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And of course, we want to go ahead and start things off by welcoming Sharon Brown. Uh, to Dunson Discourse here. She's a Grizzlies beat writer for the Memphis Flyer, as well as the host of The Shy Show. Sharon, how you doing today? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing well. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. I'm excited. Now that we've got actual, you know, NBA bubble action to talk about, you know, heading into the, you know, potentially heading into the postseason, it, it, it's all good on this end. Yes, it's, it's all good. All right. So, here, here I may as well, you know, start from the, you know, start from the jump. I'm going to be talking to my Blazers guy, Danny Meringue, a bit later. And while I'm definitely all in on the, you know, the, you probably don't want any parts of, you know, a rolling Dame-led squad, you know, now that's finally fully healthy. I was appreciative that you pointed out to me yesterday the Grizzlies are still in the A spot. And, you know, like, <laughs> so I'm asking you this. Which of those teams that are potentially out there do you want, would you most like to avoid? in a play-in scenario between the Blazers, the Suns, the Spurs, the Kings, as well as, of course, I guess the Pelicans as well? Well, you know what? It's, it's really not a team to avoid. I just want the Grizzlies to be in it okay. in order to play. You know, because lately, you know, they haven't been playing like the Grizzlies that we saw, you know, in the beginning of the season. Because like I told someone yesterday, I don't really see this as a continuation of the season. It's a new season because they go off four months. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's it's definitely a new season. It's just like, but they started off slow. But Portland is the only team in the Suns, of course. They're the only teams that's playing like they really want it. 
you know, it's just like they're fighting to the end. And it just seems like the Grizzlies didn't do that until they, you know, was up against uh, OKC, you know, when they blew them out. But, you know, yeah. we, we want to see the same team. You know, I, I just want them to compete like we know that they they are capable of competing. Admittedly, I'd feel a heck of a lot better you know, for your Grizzlies if Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, hadn't suffered that unfortunate meniscus tear. Uh, you know, it, it, it's... I look at it like this. Like you, I'd like to see them get in, you know, simply from an experience standpoint. And no matter what, especially given the year that they put in, you know, you, you never want to you, you never want to necessarily just go down, uh, you know, just you know, go out like this. But my question is this. Do you think it would be better for them to like, like say, for instance, they go up, and they match up with somebody and they get knocked out in the play into type situation. Do you think it would be better just from an experience standpoint or would you rather see them you know, you know, make their way all the way in and, and go from there? I mean, we would. Pref- I mean, people would, would prefer for them to just, you know, win the play in to go into the playoffs. But the season is a success, you know, no matter which way you look at it because people mm-hmm. didn't expect them to be in Orlando. They don't, didn't supposed to be in Orlando. They supposed to be at the bottom of the West. No one saw them even be in the eight seed or playing, you know, to be in the playoff or anything like that. So yeah. we, you know, it's, it's the season is a success. You know, they have overachieved and, you know, I think it's just like if they don't go to the playoff, it's, you know, it'll have, they'll have that chip on their shoulder still say, Hey, we were there. We need to work harder to be there again. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and, I, and I, I'll be honest. Anybody that's that's stating that they expected this, I, I, I think they're being a little bit <laughs> dishonest with you. Quite frankly, I thought they'd be on the outside looking in. I didn't think that I didn't expect them to you know, have anywhere near you know the impact that they had. Uh, and, you know, it, I'll go ahead and transition. While I don't have any you know, actual vote when it comes to the NBA awards, unfortunately, uh, you know, this is something that we've discussed on the show in the past. And it seems pretty clear to me, or, and at, at least to us, that John Morant uh, was this year's Rookie of the Year, despite, you know, the great year that Kendrick Nunn also put up, you know, for the Heat. And despite, you know, what I would call the NBA's best efforts uh, with limited action from Zion. So, Sharon, I'll ask you your thoughts on this, because I've been so impressed with him when I've actually caught the Grizzlies this year. Is there like to be honest with you? I don't know that there's necessarily a comparison, but I, you know, I'm interested in someone that's looking a little bit more in depth. Do you see a comparison for you know, you know for what you traject his career to be over the next couple of years as he continues to develop? Oh, I think, man, I don't think there's a comparison. I think you know, Jaw, he's special. I mean, he's he's really special. And then it's just like I, you know, like Zion. He they say he's third in the voting for uh, rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out why, because he only played 19 games. Why Why not Brandon Clark? Brandon Clark have a, had a heck of a year. He's like the, the most efficient rookie. Why Why he didn't get – why he wasn't the top three? Zion only played 19 games, and that's a slap in the face to those players who played most of the season. It is, and but you know, we all know how this works. It's a, you know, a, a, a lot of times it's a business type decision, and uh, when you have somebody, when you have a luminary like Zion or somebody that they're at least trying to back up like that, uh, they're going to do you know go out of their way you know to kind of do anything <laughs> anything they can. To hide That's why we're in this playing situation. <laughs> Yeah, if if we're being honest, that that, that probably does have a have a lot to do with it, uh, you know. But unfortunately, unfortunately for folks that wanted to see the Pelicans in there, it does not look like that's going to. It's, it's not. It's not working. And then you know, you remember, you remember when we saw, you know, like the photos of Zion, like Zion lost weight, Zion did this, Zion did that. But when he came to camp, mm, yeah. <laughs> 
it wasn't quite yeah it wasn't the, the photos didn't quite match the reality but I, you know truth be told i don't necessarily want to make it i know that you're not doing that i don't necessarily want to make this about an anti-zion type vibe why not it's not it's not i <laughs> yeah, mean yeah, i you know i want zion to receive to succeed you know, in the league, but you know, it's just like the narrative. I just hate the narrative, you know? Oh, oh, believe me, I get it. I see it on Twitter. You know, we go back and forth even at, at, at times and I have a lot of fun with it, but truth be told, I do understand why folks you know, tend to get a, a little bit annoyed by the narrative. So let, you know, let's, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to the Grizzlies outside of the continued development of Morant, uh, and what we would hope to see an eventual, you know, health, you know, healthy situation for Jaron Jackson Jr. In your estimation, what do the Grizzlies need in terms of that specific piece or type of player to help them get to the next level moving forward? Hey, they need a really, really good shooting guard. Okay. I really, really, I mean. Like Bradley Beal type level? Bradley Beal, uh, Jack, Zach Levine, Devin Booker. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're throwing them all out there. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. But, you know, it's just like they need a shooting guard that's not inconsistent. If Dylan Brooks wasn't, was not in, inconsistent, you know he could, it could be him, but he's he's too inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean he's a good player, but he's not great. He's too inconsistent. Sometimes he don't know when to pass the ball, and then sometimes he try to take the game over, and you know it's it's not his forte. So you know. Yeah, no, I get it, and and of course you always want to have you know a player that that understands and comprehends his own you know his or her own limitations. Uh, Dylan Brooks is a good is a good player. I, I do like him. I just see him more as a you know if you if he's if he's your starter, okay, you know that you know that's fine. But if he's your backup or mm-hmm. a six man type you know type situation, you might be cooking with hot grease. Right. <laughs> All right, so Sharon, before I get you out of here, I, I did I did see your last piece, you know, on the Thunder, or at least one of the last ones on the Thunder kneeling during the anthem after State Representative Sean Roberts actually threatened the organization's you know, tax benefits, which you know comes as no surprise, uh, you know, if they were to do that. And that, and I strongly recommend for the audience' sake checking out her piece for Dime. It's on it's over there on Uprocks.com. But this is actually something that Josh and I have discussed in recent episodes, where we've been pleasantly surprised with how how well the league and the players, as well as their broad Podcast partners have done surrounding the continued conversation and focus on Black Lives Matter and the ongoing struggles with systemic racism, police brutality, and obviously other issues. So I'm interested in your thoughts on how well the, all of the parties have handled things so far. I mean, I think they have handled it, you know, pretty well. But it's just like it just seemed like it's just an organized thing, you know, just like seeming like it's performative protest to me because it's just like. It you know, it, it really is, but it's just like instead of talking about the NBA, look at what the women of the WNBA are doing. Okay. Now that's real protest. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because you know when they wore the shirts against the um, Atlanta Dreams um, owner, what's her name? Uh, Is it Kelly Loeffler or something? I believe. Yeah. That's how you speak and then when they um, wore the shirts of her opponent, it wasn't just the Atlanta Dream; it was other teams. You know, it, it was Sue Bird's idea. For them to wear it. That's real uh, protest right there. Because it's a collective thing and it's not performative. You know what I mean? The, the ladies of the WNBA been been doing this for years. They have. They have. I, the, but they don't get the recognition as the NBA players when they well, do stuff. Well, it, it is you know that that's a you know obviously a deeper conversation and one that you know th- th- that has merit. Uh, quite frankly, it's always going to be a you know. Uh, 
there's a heightened level of exposure, obviously, with the NBA that the WNBA you know doesn't quite have at this at this stage. Uh, and of course, there are other reasons for that as well. There are other reasons for you know for them not getting getting the equal recognition for their efforts. But I you know like you, I you know, I've been incredibly impressed with the efforts of the WNBA. You know, quite frankly, you know the situation that Maya Moore has going on. You know. If we're being honest, if that were a male athlete, it would be you know the you know the, the front news front story you know with with, regu- with regularity. So I do understand yes. that I completely yes. Understand. It was a vote war, not um, shirts against Loeffler Loeffler's opponent. Yes, yeah. So well. You know, I, I'll say this: the NBA hasn't been perfect, but you know, and, and I'm certainly not going to take up for him. But I have been impressed, specifically because while I was in, you know, I was in fear that it was going to simply simply be performative. Mm-hmm. I, I do feel as though they've backed it up a bit more. Um, and 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 you know what? Maybe it was just because I had low expectations because right. I certainly did. <laughs> I, cer- I certainly. I mean, I, I appreciate what they're doing, yeah. but I just feel like it could be more in seems like it shouldn't be, you know, performative, in my opinion. I get you. I get you. Sharon, again, I really appreciate you for joining Dunks of Discourse today. Can you let the folks know where they can find all of your quality content? Okay, so you can find me at, at, um, I'm at Sharon Shy Brown on Twitter. Um, I write for the Memphis Flyer, memphisflyer.com. I work for Dime Dime on Uprox. It's um, dimeonuprox.com, I think. I don't even know what that, uh, (laughs) <laughs> that ad, ad, but you know you can find everything about me on Twitter at Sharon Shabra for sure and we definitely appreciate you like I said appreciate you joining okay and I got uh, a podcast it's called The Shy Show and uh, it's at Shy Show 4 on uh, Twitter alright make sure that you follow her on Twitter make sure you check out her show and make sure you check out like I said her quality material on the Grizzlies and, and beyond Okay, we're back, and as promised, I'm now joined by Danny Moraine, co-host of the NBCS Northwest Blazers Outsiders postgame show and the Blazers Edge podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Danny Moraine, and thank you for joining us today, Danny. Hey, anytime, man. I appreciate it. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. You're one of my favorite follows on there because, to be honest with you, <laughs> anybody that knows you know, the, the let's just say the brief history of Lakers and Blazers will know that we, there's a little bit of a rivalry there. There's a, a little, little bit. A little bit of a history. Uh, no, but I, I definitely appreciate you taking time. Yeah, no, man, it, it, it's all good. And, and the fact that I'm a, an L.A. native that defected it just makes it that much better. Wait a second. See, this oh, is see, new. Inf- this is new information. <laughs> this right here is new information. You oh, are yeah, from no. L.A. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm born and bred L.A. guy. My first game was uh, Lakers Blazers at the Forum. What's the matter with you? Whoops. What's the matter with you? <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm going to circle back to that at another time. I'll be, uh-huh. Because you, you, to be honest with you, you threw me off my game right now. <laughs> that that a fellow L.A. native. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. Sun Tzu, Art of War, man. I'm gotta, saying. Gotta keep the tactics. I'm saying. Okay, all right. All right, so look, you up there, up there now, mm-hmm. you, you got Dame being Dame. You know, CJ and uh, Gary Kent Jr. are rolling. Mm-hmm. Nurk and Zach are healthy. You know, everything's kind of coming together at the perfect time. So say the, well, I mean, you know, with the exception <laughs> of that last game, of course. <laughs> but, you know, say the Blazers outlast the rest of, uh, you know, what I've previously mentioned, you know, the you know, pack of teams, which is the Kangs, the Suns. Mm-hmm. The Spurs and such. How confident are you in a face-off versus presumably what I think is going to be the Grizzlies? They should be, especially without Jaron Jackson out there. They, they yeah. should be able to take care of business. Uh, 
they, they feature obviously a premier point guard and jaw and when they're healthy premier bigs uh, mm-hmm. that that kind of matches up with portland with what they can match up with defensively the where they get torched uh is is on the wings and that's not exactly some kind of you know magic history uh mm. but yeah i think that they're they're fine in that regard uh obviously the game against the clippers that dropping that one they 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 would have been able to control their own destiny uh and maybe even get that eighth seed but uh the the ninth uh, if they get there i i actually feel probably pretty comfortable that probably 70 75 chance that that they're able to win both those games yeah, I won't lie to you. I, I I feel pretty confident, you know, if I were Portland heading into that as well. And that's not, you know, it's not any shade. And you know, of course, I I just spoke with a beat writer for the Grizzlies, you know, Sharon Brown. She's mm-hmm. she, she's she's probably listening to this playback right now, saying, "Okay, uh, you were nice to me, and now here, this is how you do me." <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'd love to see the Ja versus Dame matchup uh, because yeah. as someone, you know, as someone that's you know that has loved Dame from afar, you know, you know, since about the moment I watched him, I was actually that was that that was my first summer league that I covered in. Vegas oh, uh, nice. back in back in 2012 uh you know so I, I've been on board with him you know from that you know from then um yeah I think I've seen some of what and and I know everyone hates player comparisons I know you're, you're, you're going down the right path there we go there you we and go. I are going to be on the same page here you I can see that in jaw, right I see it I yep. see it and so you know, ask someone that has watched it up close and personal there in Portland I was going to ask you if you see any of the same similarities yeah I, I jaw uh Dame's the, the guy I've compared jaw to um, oh, okay. Stylistically, they're different. Obviously, Jaws a little bit more like D Rose or, or Westbrook as far as his athletic explosion and mm-hmm. uh, just dynamic ability to get to the really any spot on the floor. But his command of the game, his leadership qualities, his I don't know flash for or, or you know just that that ability to to be there at the, at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's something about him, and I think that's this is true of a lot of the small mark or small college guards, right? We see this in Damon CJ, and we see this mm-hmm. in Job. We've seen this in plenty of guys. When you have, when you go to a small program and you're successful at that small program, I mean, Steph obviously at Davidson's the same way. I think it it puts you in a position where your leadership, more than even your talent, has to carry the way. Because you're playing with lesser guys, and you're going up against competition literally every single night, and you're getting scouting reports that even if even if you're on there, it's just you. That's so true. you have to find ways to deliver night in, night out, to to lead your team very early on. And Dame did that at Weber State, and I think Jaw did that obviously at, at Murray. And I, I just see a lot of that in him, and the, the competitive edge. It's just. Again, they're different players, but their mentalities and their mindsets, I definitely, anybody who sits there and goes, oh, I see a little, yeah, no, I can see it in a heartbeat. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, without a doubt, and I appreciate that you see those similarities as well. And for the listeners' sake, of course, I'm not I'm not saying that I expect Ja to be at the level of Dame next year, this you know, few years from now, or even ever. It's but you know, the similarities in their approach, in mm-hmm. kind of the makeup and the composition, I I, I I see it as well. So speaking of another guy like that, you know, we expect CJ to do what he does, and uh, you know, it's great to see Melo, uh, you know, showing that he can score again when the right opportunity presents itself. But you know, as a Blazers guy, who mm-hmm. needs to be that third or fourth? big-time contributor for this squad to not only close things out and find a way into the postseason, but to put together a strong fight against what I, we, I'm imagining will be a healthy Lakers team. It's weird because I, I think the, the three is set. It's it's Dame, it's CJ, and it's Nurk, and it's not necessarily in that order. I think Nurkic, even though CJ's the, the more prolific scorer, mm-hmm. Nurk's the second most valuable player on this team because he's the best two-way player. Mm-hmm. Uh, what he means to them and what he allows them to do, I mean, even if you watch the Clippers game in the first two-and-a-half quarters, 
his ability to work as a primary facilitator and his ability to hold down the defense. They, they just they just don't have that guy anywhere else up and down the line. He's everything he does. He's he gets better and better at. And for him to come back from such a devastating injury in the in the manner that he did and the way that he looks now, it, it's insane. CJ and Dame are gonna are gonna do their thing. They're gonna combine for fifty plus on a nightly basis. The the problem, quote unquote, with this team has been the wings. And as much as Gary Trent Jr. has been phenomenal, and he has been absolutely bonkers here in the bubble. I mean, he was playing good. He like it, he was kind of the story of the year outside of Port, you know, inside Portland as far as like development, right? Uh, he really came on in January. He was kind of overshadowed by Damian Lillard, you know, averaging fifty points for the month. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. As that, that, was. that might that, happen. That was this year, still, guys. So, Jesus. yeah. Um, but he started to really come on uh, from January first on until the the the, the uh, season was postponed. Anytime Dame or excuse me, uh, Gary averaged over tw- or twenty minutes or played over twenty minutes, he averaged uh, I think it was a little over twelve points and forty percent from three. So you could see okay. it coming on. Like he, he was going to be a contributing factor. Now all of a sudden he's Clay Thompson two point So <laughs> I, I think he's somewhere probably closer to the the middle of that. But mm-hmm. I said this on Twitter yesterday, and I, I, I don't use this lightly. Maybe he is having that superstar level spike. That doesn't mean he's going to be a superstar. I'm just talking about that that's that spike that we see from guys that we don't really see coming. The like Siakams, Paul George, the Paul George, okay. the the Jimmy Butlers, where you just get a spike in play that you're like, "Good lord, where did that come from?" Because normally it's a little bit more linear, I think, with a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Where in in his case, I'm wondering if this is one of those big spikes because him being a 12 to 15 point a game guy and being Wes Matthews, that's a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's already better than than just about anybody else could reasonably hope for but that jump from maybe 12 to 15 a game to 17 to 20 a game that's that chris middleton spike right that's that's that oh wow he's not only a really good player he's exactly what we need right here right now and by the way he's a second round pick like that rate of return is that's what this team needs right now no, absolutely, and it's funny. I, I was going to say, you know, what would the ceiling be there? And, and I did see, I did see you, know, you mentioning that on Twitter. If I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, I think even uh, jo- you and Josh went back and forth on it, or he commented yeah. on it. Um, I was, gonna, I was going to say, you know, what does this team need for you know to take that next step specifically? I, and and of course, look, anything can take place. Anything can happen if you if if they work them their way into the postseason, they're able to outlast whomever they you know were to face in the face in the in the playing situation, and they go against the Lakers. Of course, anything can take place. But in order for them to finally kind of get over the you know the hump that we you know kind of saw them as at last year where they you know, they they made the conference finals but it was obvious that they just weren't there yet. What do you think needs to take place? Is it is it is it really is it really just you know continuing you know continuing to develop the guys they have or is there a missing piece? It is a missing piece, and okay. I, I, I'm a Dame and a CJ guy as far as like who they are as players, who they are as human beings. But I've never ever. It's not, it's not a secret. I, I've wanted to break up that backcourt since mm-hmm. really CJ came on the scene in the Memphis playoffs in 2015. That's yep. that. I love him as a player. I, I genuinely do. I think if you put him on, if you put him in in Boston and they didn't take or they didn't make the move for Kemba Walker, I think he's a better version of Kemba right there because I think he's he's a better playmaker. He's mm-hmm. a, he, he helps space the floor a little bit better. Um, more natural playmaker. Even. Yeah, just it just kind of fits in a little bit better. I think if CJ is your primary lead guard, I think he's his numbers are pretty damn close to Dame's. He's not going to get you the the free throws that that Dame does, but he's going to be a, a, a higher proficiency shooter. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility if CJ's running his own team to see him being a twenty seven five and five guy. I don't think that's even when Dame's been out. 
this the last couple of years. Uh, I think it's been somewhere around twenty games. In those games, CJ's averaged almost thirty and eight. Yeesh. I mean, okay. it, the numbers are bonkers. But I've wanted to split them up just because of the the. The lack of size, and that's mm-hmm. where they they just, they just get beat. I mean, they just need a wing so bad. And and like you said, back and forth, Josh and I were talking about this, and, and we're, we came to the same conclusion: is that does Gary Trent make CJ a little bit more not expendable, but at least a little bit more movable mm-hmm. if you're looking for a, a dynamic wing in in return? I think I, I mean obviously you know, what he show, what he being Gary Trent, what he's shown is 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 that that's certainly a potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it, and it's, it's a risk. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's definitely a risk because you already know what you have in CJ. CJ's been there, you know. You you mentioned it since he came, since you know, since he you know, kind of you know burst onto the scene in 2015. You know, we we've seen what you know we've seen what he can do. I, I don't know. I, I I've always gone kind of back and forth on splitting those two up. Uh, conventional wisdom would say you probably should, but I, I just like seeing them play together. So I guess I'm probably coming across as as as, as a member of your fan base because I <laughs> I have I have I let's just say anytime I've mentioned it on the timeline, I have gotten some vitriol. No, no, I mean trust me, I, I get it too, and it, 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 for for all the stuff out there, it's not because I don't think CJ's good. Mm-hmm. That's never, ever, ever been the case, and that's I've gotten that sometimes. It's like, well, you don't think that I'm just I don't I don't like because it it pins you into a corner as far as um, team building. There's only mm-hmm. so many ways you can go about it with a six foot one guard and a six foot three guard. And yes, Dame is six one, CJ six three. Stop looking at the measurements. I see them eye to eye regularly. <laughs> I'm five eleven. You mean they're not they six four and, and six three and a half? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like I'm five eleven and they are much bigger than me. So <laughs> it's problematic. It's hard to cover that up, man. Especially when you've got Collins, who's more of a a five, like he don't get me wrong, he moves his feet well, but he's still more of a five. The three situation would does Hood come back healthy off a, off a ruptured Achilles? Ooh, does yeah. you know Trevor Reza have a little bit more in the tank? Like there's just a lot of questions that wing position where you have to be so specific in how you address it, it limits your options, and that's I just don't like being up against that wall. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, one of the reasons why Steph works so well, and in, 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 and this is not taking anything away from Steph you know, mm-hmm. and his greatness, but one of the reasons why he works so well is because you can kind of hide him. No, not kind of. They've been able to hide him with Clay, you know, and pairing him up with Clay in the backcourt. So, yeah, I get if, it. If, if you have, if you, and everybody's taught me this, this, this kind of thing before where, um, if you swap Damon and Steph, you know, what, what's the ooh, impact? Ooh, I mean, ooh. that's, <laughs> it, it's just kind of, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Dame is, is Steph. I'm just saying I understand. The, the, the likelihood is that they're you know they probably still are the same kind of teams. So I put it to you like this, and I, I'll go here just you know just just to make people upset. <laughs> I would love to see that, and and again, it's not taking anything away from Steph. I'm not one of those guys that says no. like, oh, but yeah, I, I'd love to see Dame in that situation. You know, completely anyway. freed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so the league announced the defensive player of the year, your finalists, and while I wasn't shocked by the group of Giannis, AD, and Gobert, um, we may dis- we may agree or disagree on where those should ultimately wind up. How would you vote here if you had a choice? I know everybody hates Gobert for a million reasons, <laughs> but his numbers are bonkers. Yes. I mean, they, they, they truly are. And every time I see, oh, you know, Harden got uh, Gobert on the perimeter isolated and hit a step back from, from 32, that's called making a play. That's expected. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like, and, and, and he's going to do that on Kawhi, and he's yeah. going to do that on AD, and he's going to do that on Simmons. But the numbers that Gobert holds teams to inside 15 feet are obscene. And yeah. I just, I can't, I can't disregard that. I just, I just can't do it. And I, I would probably put it Gobert, then AD. And that's, that's, and then I think, every, or it should be uh, Gobert, Giannis, then AD. Mm-hmm. Um, only because, and, and this is going to sound unfair, only because Giannis, because the team is so good, he doesn't have to play the minutes. <laughs> it, I mean, it, no, the, it, it sounds unfair, but it's fair in terms of, you know, assessing, you know, assessing the, the overall impact. Yeah. I get and, it. And that, if, if you're asking me who I would rather have as a defensive anchor, it's Giannis. Yes. Because I think he's more effective across the board, one through five. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're telling me I need a guy who's going to play 40 minutes a night and anchor my defense, I'm going to take Gobert. I get that's it. that's how I sit at least, and and I totally get it. And and unlike other folks, you know, simply because I'm not as you know as captivated by you know the impact that Gobert has, I, I'm not one to say like, oh, you, that that just means it shouldn't even be in the conversation. There's an, you're exactly right. You know, he eliminates a very large portion of the like of, mm-hmm. of the game. So I get that. But for me, ultimately, Giannis and AD are just simply more dynamic and versatile as defenders for my taste. Yep. And 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 I, and I know that's not any you know any earth shattering you know analysis there. But I think that's what sets them apart in this conversation, given what's most important at this stage in the league and for me that's the reason why i would have them ahead of gobert and and it, it's it's a style it's not even actually no it's not a styles make fight it's it's this uh their style is more appropriate for what we need you know you're moving forward yeah no it, it is and i and i i know it's counterintuitive to, to take away the, the paint as opposed to the three and and having that ability to flex i just find it that if you and this is probably more centralized on the fact because i, I cover portland mm-hmm. and i see what Nurkic has to erase every night. Yeah, because he 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 essentially does the same thing that that Gobert does, and that mm-hmm. hey, I've got this fifteen feet. The rest is up to you guys. And then you see it kind of crumble, and you're like, ah, okay, <laughs> it's not so, him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, that that back and forth is kind of uh, where I think a lot of this uh, framing comes from. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. Okay, Danny, I appreciate you joining the mix again today. Can you let the folks know where they can find all of your great material and where they might be able to see a little bit of us doing some battle on the timeline if the Blazers <laughs> and Lakers, you know, do actually lock horns? Yes, you can find me across all of social media at Danny Morang at D A N N Y M A R A N G, and yes, it's like Morang the Pie and Morangatang. You were not original with those jokes, trust me. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on NBC Sports Northwest uh, if you're in the market, following every Blazers game on Blazers Edge is the Blazers Edge podcast host. Uh, and uh, anybody who wants to catch it, you can just uh, search me on YouTube for the YouTube channel and you can find all of the uh, interviews there. Without a doubt. And, you know, for the listeners out there, honestly, make sure you do give him a follow as he is a quality follow. I'm not anybody that listens to this show. They know I don't blow smoke. If I didn't think he was, I would say, hey, your your timeline kind of sucks. So make make sure you do give him a follow. Interact with him. Let him know that, you know, the Blazers are going down and all of that good stuff. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Let that let that be known. Yes, yes. All right, so now I actually want to swing it back out to the Eastern Conference in order to discuss some scenarios with our guy Ty Windish. But before we do that, a few words about some great opportunities at DealDash.com. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero. 
and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up, on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use offer code DUNKSANDDISCOURSE or DealDash.fm slash DUNKSANDDISCOURSE. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash DUNKSANDDISCOURSE. We're back on Dunks and Discourse with fellow member of the Blue Wire Pods family as a co-host of the Eurostep podcast, as well as being a reporter for the Wisconsin Herd, Ty Windish. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Oh, come on now. We, 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 can, we, we can chill on all those pleasantries, especially since I'm going to hit you right out of the blocks with, with a difficult one. Uh, look, I'm going to come, like I said, I'm going to come right at you. Um, and I mean no disrespect in saying this. All due respect uh, to the fantastic job that Coach Bud has done this year yet again. Uh, Coach of the Year is Nick Nurse, right? Oh, yeah. No. Okay. I I thought this was going to be like uh, where is Giannis heading question oh, or no, something. No. no. Okay. No, no. Yeah. I I said uh, when I wrote about it, when I did a, my little awards piece, I don't have a ballot, but I, I pretended I had a ballot. I literally didn't even list like other. I just said nurse and then take your pick <laughs> two of these like six guys. I think honestly, tremendous year for most NBA coaches outside of Chicago and Sacramento. Um, I think Bud, who won the coaches poll thing, that's weird. I think he's done well. I think uh, Frank Vogel's been really good. Nate McMillan's been really good. Billy Donovan. Uh, people like Spo. I'm like, eh, okay. Um, but I think Nurse far and away. It, it shouldn't even be close. He should get every single first place vote. I think the same distance that Giannis has with MVP, that should be Nick Nurse for coach of the year. I think it's open and shut. And this is, I mean, I... Have no extra love for the Raptors after what they did to the uh, my Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, of course. But mm-hmm. the guy just deserves it. I mean, he's done a tremendous job this year. They lose Kawhi Leonard. They lose Danny Green. They've lost most of their roster for at least a few games. So some of them, some long stretches without guys. They just keep winning. Like, they're just really, really good. They play smarter defense than anybody else in the league. They do more stuff than anybody else in the league. I, I agree with you. I think it should be him, no question. Yeah, and, and and I, I kind of figured that that's where your stance would you know, would be because you're an you're an honest you're 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 going to be upfront about what you're seeing out there, and I get how phenomenal the Bucks have been, uh, you know, and I've gone on record as acknowledging Giannis, you know, should absolutely be the MVP once again. He was the MVP for me, you know, wire to wire, uh, despite the great seasons that a few other players put up. But there's not a chance, you know, anyone can convince me that they honestly expected the Raptors to be anywhere near within five games in the loss column of these Bucks, considering the. You know, as you mentioned, when they lost Kawhi and they lost Danny, and they didn't even get anything back for them, you know, like it, it, it's one thing when you lose, you know, when you lose some players, you know, like of significance, and you get, you know, maybe not an equal return. They just lost them. So yeah, I, I agree. So let, let's let's keep it on the on the eastern side. What's the least desired matchup for the eastern side of the bracket for you? Because a lot of us, you know, we saw Miami as that potential, you know, serious threat because of all the different looks that they could throw at Giannis and Chris uh, with Jimmy Bam Iguodala, and you know, and obviously as a team effort but which of the you know which of the team which team or teams would you prefer to avoid if you you know if you could uh you know kind of groove it the way you you want for the books right we've been looking a lot at this at Eurostep just at all the things that could happen and obviously four through six is really I think at this point the only spots that really I mean seven and eight could switch 
Mm-hmm. No disrespect. Who cares? I, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm sorry, Orlando, who's now without Jonathan Isaac. The Nets are without everybody. It doesn't matter how that shakes. But four through six is still open, and that could get very, very interesting if Miami fell to six. They would have to get through Boston and then probably Toronto, Toronto uh, to make it to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that is probably ideal for Milwaukee. I think Toronto is the second best team in the East. They they are good. They they they're just so good, especially defensively. But I think the Bucks. I I just can't see them beating the Bucks in a series because I think as good as Siakam is, when Giannis switches on to Siakam, it it's reminiscent even stronger of like when Kawhi would switch on to Giannis. I think that's mm. a trump card the Raptors just can't overcome. I mean, when Kawhi, uh, excuse me, when Siakam is your like second or third guy. You know, if you take him out of the game, it doesn't mean as much, but he's got to be one or two there. I mean, I, I give Lowry a lot of respect. Lowry's right up there as well. But I just think I just think offensively they, they run out of stuff they can do when the Bucks focus on Siakam. I don't think, and I know Fred Van Vliet has killed the Bucks before, but <laughs> I just, I don't think without the Kawhi guy there, and I don't think Siakam is quite good enough to, to make that much of an impact. So Miami is just like, Freaky. I mean, obviously the Bucks just got a close win over them. Not even that close, but a win over them after playing terrible for a half. Miami was without a couple key players. Of course, Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic were out. Um, and they just, they're just, man, they just play a style that that really messes with the Bucks. I mean, the, the second half of that game aside, I, I still think Milwaukee should be and probably will be favored in, in every series before they get to the finals, at least. But Miami and Toronto are the two. So, if the Bucks only have to play one of them, I think that's ideal. If you don't get Miami in the second round and then you get one of Miami-Toronto in the conference finals, mm. I think that's probably the best you can hope for. Although I wouldn't mind if they dodge Boston either just because Boston is infuriating to watch play the Bucks because their strategy is just like, how many fouls can Marcus Smart pick up on Giannis? Like that's, that's what they do. They don't have a, a real big man defender they can try to put on him. None of their forwards are nearly strong enough. So they really like their their strategy is just to grift. It's it's very frustrating. So maybe I'll take a tougher matchup that's less annoying for me to watch. Honestly, <laughs> I respect that. And you, it's funny you took it where I was going to go because the two of us are you know in agreement on the you know Miami situation. You know it could it could make it interesting as well as the Raptors. Those have been the two teams that I've been kind of keeping an eye on. But like I said, you you brought it where I was going to go because Josh has been all about you know the Celtics being their toughest competitor out there. And of course you know for all of the obvious reasons, of course you know having three to four guys that can create scoring opportunities for themselves as well as others. Uh, you know which you know it is obviously going to. Be be a good, you know, a, a positive thing in a series. So it is until so you're on record as you think that Boston would probably be the, the, the most annoying of the matchups. I think so. Just because, I mean, you like Philly is going to use Simmons and Embiid or and probably not Simmons anymore. Excuse me. That, yeah. that, that news stinks, but they're going to try to use like Embiid and maybe a little Horford. Um, the Raptors have OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. The Heat, obviously Bam Adebayo, who, I think Giannis did shoot 13 for 13 within the arc against Miami this last game. So maybe let's slow down on Giannis stopper, but a very good defender, a very good defender nonetheless. Um, But you look at Boston, and I think this is the reason why, even if they're annoying, I just can't see them winning four times. Who on the team is stopping Giannis from getting to the rim, right? Like who is going to do it? Like Daniel Tice, great at offensive ceiling and those things that should be fouls, but they're not. He's very good at that. Good player. He's not even like as tall as Giannis. He's just not. He's not up to it. He can't do it. Um, 
if you want to have Time Lord, Robert Williams try. That's bold. They still try to use semi-olage sometimes. I don't think that's working out, and that costs you a lot on the offensive end if you're playing him real minutes. I just don't think they have a I don't think they have any way to stop Giannis from getting to the rim. And that's like we saw with the Raptors. If you if you can build that wall and stop Giannis from getting to the rim, then you have to rely on being able to stop Chris Middleton and the Bucks shooters. But I don't even think Boston can get to that second stage. I don't think they can stop Giannis in the first place. And if you can't do that, I don't see how you beat this Milwaukee Bucks team. I mean, the whole thing the Bucks are getting ready for is what do we do when someone walls off Giannis from getting to the rim? I don't think they can do that. Yeah, and, and, and quite frankly, you know, to your point, in agreement with that, if yeah, if you can't stop him at the point of attack, if you can't stop him from getting into the lane and 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 all the way to the rim, then you you don't have a chance. Yeah, uh, you know, like, yeah. So keeping it with the you just brought Chris up. He's but obviously has been great in the bubble, and I absolutely do not believe the whole I didn't you know touch a basketball for three months thing. <laughs> I think that was a total ruse because uh, quite frankly, I don't think you could look this good you know, if, if that were the case. But give me the next three guys that need to perform at uh, at you know playoff you know quote-unquote insert players you know name here who are the next three guys outside of those guys that need to play at those levels for the Bucks to seal the deal with the title this year oh that's a terrific question the first one that comes to mind is Brooke Lopez okay. um, and he was great in the the Dallas loss last night shout out to Luka Doncic who's just phenomenal but um, he was really good he needs to have an impact offensively something we've been seeing a little bit more is Bud resting Chris and Giannis so, so they can play more together and then it just becomes the bench unit anchored by Brooke Lopez. He's been a lot more of a focal point on offense this season, which I think is good. I think it's it's a, a, a it's sort of separating from the idea of bud ball, where everything has mm-hmm. to be a layup or a dunk or a three-point attempt, that motion offense, and more of just, we have these really skilled players, let's get the most out of them. And mm-hmm. we're seeing Brooke Lopez is still a guy who, in addition to making crazy threes, he can post you up, he'll draw a ton of fouls if you stick the arms in, he should get more shots. He has been. So he's number one. If he continues to play at a high level and make three-pointers, all of a sudden the Bucks become a lot harder to beat. Then I'll actually say Wes Matthews. I think Wes mm-hmm. is very overlooked on this team because, I mean, there's so many so many guys who are getting, you know, deserving accolades and all that. Wes, though, he's going to guard a lot of the toughest perimeter assignments all night. I mean, he put Tatum in jail Last time the Bucks played the Celtics, although Tatum was a little rough in general to start in the bubble, so maybe let's not give West too much credit, although I did put him on an all-defensive team. I think he's just phenomenally good on that end. So there goes my uh, my objectivity, I'm sure, from a lot of listeners. But <laughs> please watch Wes Matthews play defense. Uh, he couldn't really keep up with Luka, but he can guard. he's guarded a lot of guys this season. Plus, Wes is one of those guys that, and, and you know how we always say, you know, that he does the things that don't show up, and don't always, you know, show up in the in the stat sheet. He's that guy for you. Yes. Guys. So, yeah, it, so you know, while if, if you just glance at him, it may not look like he's doing anything all that impressive. But if you pay attention to him over the course of a game and over the course of a series, you you definitely notice all of the little things that he does for that team. Yeah, and qu- like just. Quickly, I don't want to talk too much about Wes Matthews on this on this podcast, but <laughs> no worries. Um, nobody's had a more outsized impact on the Bucks team defensive rating on off. They're they're except for Giannis, excuse me. But like the second biggest jump from on to off, like their defense, how stingy they are, it's actually Wes because he picks up really tough assignments. He's not gonna get a lot of steals, but he just makes shots really tough for some of these guys. I mean, Tatum, Harden, LeBron, these are the guys he's guarding night in and night out. So I'll put Wes there. And then as much as I want to say like Dante DiVincenzo or George Hill, Dante's been really bad in the bubble. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we all know what George Hill's going to bring. I'll go with Bledsoe. Um, Obviously, 
you know, a controversial player in some ways. You know, nobody trusts him in the playoffs. But, I mean, if you think about it, if you if the Bucks got good Bledsoe, right, like hitting 35 36% of his threes, playing good, consistent defense, getting to the rim, they'd be so hard to stop. Like, I think oh, it's easy to just assume that they won't because they haven't. But he's probably – I don't really think about it that much just because pain. But – if he shows up, if he were to really show up, that would be huge for the Bucks. So I'll say, I mean, it's boring. It's, I just said the other three starters, but I think they're the starters for a reason. I don't think this is like a, a Clippers scenario where they don't start the best five guys. I think they do. So all due respect to Marvin Williams and all the other guys on the team, I'll just go with the starters. No, I totally get that, and, and, and I see where you're coming from, of course, when, when it comes to um, Bledsoe. But I'm going to say this. As much as you know, we've, we haven't seen him get it done you know, in the past, there was a time where we, had to, we we were definitely saying the same exact thing about Kyle Lowry. And yeah. I know a lot of people, you know, they don't want to hear that, but that, look, we used to talk about the, <laughs> we used to really talk about Kyle and DeMar and their shortcomings when it, you know, when it came down to it. And, and, and that might not necessarily be the fairest to Kyle because he was still performing at a, at a, at a pretty high level for, you know, for the most part. But all I'll say is this. I won't be the one that gets you know that people say this you on the tweet about Eric Bledsoe uh, specifically because you just never know how things are going to align you know, like, you know uh, down the stretch of a season so you know finger your know, fingers crossed for you so I'm going to be honest with you I don't care what path we take to get there I still would love to see the Bucks and Lakers you know so that we could see Giannis and LeBron and you know and, and, and just see that face off, you know see that face off and see if we can witness like an actual true passing of the torch on the greatest stage we very rarely get that in sports I do recognize and when I say passing of the torch you know what I mean Giannis has been the MVP he's been the, you know he's probably been the best player in the league for the last couple of years so that, that's hands down but you know the difference and you know exactly you know exactly what it means when that takes place in your heart of hearts let me get your actual your, your finals matchup and then also what you think is going to take place I would love to see that too. Uh, I think that's the series that would be most exciting. I think Clippers Bucks would be cool too because obviously Giannis gets another shot at Kawhi, right? I mean that would be big if he outplayed Kawhi and, and they won the finals. I say you know Giannis is MVP. I agree with you that that doesn't mean that he's necessarily the guy that everybody would want most in those situations. I, I call Kawhi the baddest mf'er. Yes. Like it's like I think I saw I heard someone else refer to him as the heavyweight champ right now and I think there's a lot of merit to it. You know, he's not going to be probably the best guy over 82 games, but over 16 games, it's really hard to make the case that he's not at least right now. Uh LeBron I think is right up there in that combo and then then you get Giannis. So I I would love a finals against either of those teams. I think legacy-wise, storylines-wise, the Lakers probably would be the coolest possible matchup, especially of course, if the Bucks were to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it'll be one of those two. I'm I try not to buy too much into, you know, a couple bad games and all this because the Bucks haven't looked that great in the bubble either. Lakers have been a little concerning. I, I don't think they're going to lose in the first round or anything like this. I, I think that's kind of getting a little ridiculous. But they've been a little concerning, and that Clippers team, if when they get Montrezl Harrell back, I mean, they're just. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't decide how I feel about the two LA teams. I've liked the Lakers more for a lot of the season. I just think what they do is beautifully simplistic, and it's just like the LeBron and AD show and everybody orbiting around them. But the Clippers are deep. So I don't know which LA team, but I think it's going to be Bucks versus one of the LA teams. I think either way, there's going to be a lot of cool storylines and a lot of great basketball. 
Ty, I'm going to go ahead and do and do this, and and you know some of the listeners are going to be you know, surprised when I say this. I think the Clippers are going to come out. I obviously I want the Lakers. I'm I'm, I'm not one of those folks that says, oh well, you know I I have to remain. No, I'm a Lakers fan. All right, <laughs> like I, I yes yeah. I covered yes I covered the league for you for a long period of time, um and and that was great, and I did my best to be you know as as non biased or as unbiased as possible at that time. But yeah, admittedly I want the Lakers, but yeah, like you. Uh, I don't see them losing in the first round, but I don't see them as the championship contender that I, you know, necessarily thought they were. Now they could surprise me, and this could all be as simple as, hey, once they locked up, locked up the first, uh, you know, the first seed, it didn't matter, and they were just, you know, toying with things and 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 seeing what they had, you know, seeing exactly what they had out there. And if that's the case, great. But if I had to bet. If I had to bet, it's tough. Kind of like you said, it's tough to bet against Kawhi, especially in in a sixteen over the eighty two. No, but in a sixteen game you know tournament, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, my thing with the Lakers, the, my biggest concern for them has been how LeBron has looked. This AD has been up and down. Mm-hmm. People be seem surprised by this. I feel like that's been AD's. That's been the book on AD for a long time, right? AD will yeah, tan- He will tantalize you with some of the best performances you've ever seen. And then inexplicably, somebody like Jonas Valanciunas rolls up and holds him to eight points. Like, it, it just happens. Like, he's he's kind of a, a streaky superstar. I think he is a superstar. I think he's a tremendous player. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, for them to win, it has to be the LeBron show at the end of the day. The, the yes. takes, like, is AD the real MVP? I don't know. If you want to talk about regular season, maybe. I think I know who the best player on that team is. I think I know who has to be the best player on that team for them to win. I think it's LeBron. So, it's a lot of pressure on LeBron, but I think he's used to that. And I'm just, I, I don't know. I don't know if he can carry this team with AD, who I think is tremendous. But again, I don't think night after night he's going to be at that same level. If he is, great for him. I'd be very impressed. The rest of the core, I'm a little worried about it. LeBron is, you know, up there in age. I know he's the washed king. He's defied father time, all this, all this. Kawhi's a lot younger. Kawhi is a really tough matchup on both ends. I mean, they have so many great defenders on that team. Paul George as well, of course. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I never want to bet against LeBron. LeBron is LeBron. But, man, that Clippers team is scary. I put it to you like this. I can't wait. And, yes, oh, yeah. I'm jumping the shark. I'm jumping it. I recognize this. And we may not, you know, obviously we may not see it. But I can't wait for that Western Conference you know, final showdown. That that Give that to me and I'm here for it. You know, you know, on a personal level, I don't want to have to give it up to, you know, little brothers. <laughs> but, but, I, but I will. If they finally, not just, you know, finally qualify for the conference finals, but finally, you know, push, you know, push over the hump and, you know, dispose of the Lakers on the way, I'll give them all the credit they deserve. Ty. So great of you to join us today. Let the folks know where they can find all of your great work, if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. Thank you for the uh, for the chance to plug my stuff. I love to do that. So uh, certainly everything everything goes through the Twitter. Uh, it's my Twitter is the LeBron and my social media. Everything everything starts and ends there. But that's at Ty Windish, T I W I N D I S C H. I'm also on uh, Instagram at the same handle. I'm on Facebook. If you're you know, a little bit older, that's fine. No disrespect, but check me out on Facebook. Just pull it in Ty Windish as well. Uh, on YouTube as well, just did a new video on Duncan Robinson. That's a lot of fun. And also on Patreon, if you're of the bag-having persuasion, uh, you want some exclusive NBA analysis, all sorts of stuff there. I cover every major move. That's patreon.com slash Ty Windish. And, of course, the Eurostep podcast, which you already mentioned. Whew, I'm busy these days, man. You are, and you know, but it's a good time. Good, good, t- good time to be busy. 
Finally, yes. we, we've got something in August that's actually dope. So yes, so for the listeners out there, definitely check him out, support him, support all of the work you know that he puts out there because he is a good follow and he and he's a good guy as you've heard just now. All right, so like the others, you know, be sure, like I said, to follow and support you know everybody. Uh, on that note, for Jameson Welch, for Shannon Brown, uh, excuse me, Sharon Brown, probably you know don't want to. Uh, misname her as the ex-Laker uh, <laughs> Danny Meringue and you know, most recently Ty Windish I definitely appreciate each of you for taking the time to listen as a heads up I'm excited for the next episode because we'll be discussing the top 5 characters from The Wire you guys know this is my wheelhouse right here among other things with producer Varun stepping into the booth for some good times Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all odds, futures, and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.